0: Been received. Praise God. The Lord is good. And His mercy endureth forever, 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 forever. I was thinking about this verse when we were at our five Monday nights of prayer. Um, We were using a verse out of Galatians 5 where it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with His passions. And uh, verse 25, this is, that was the ESV translation of Galatians 5, 24 and 25. 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Well, we want to keep, we don't want to be a half a step ahead or a half a step behind. We want to keep in step with Him. How about that? Amen. Well, good morning. Hope you had a great week this week. Glad that you're here this morning. Uh, For those of you joining by Facebook Live, we're glad to have you here this morning joining us. I believe God will speak to your heart today as well, and if you can, come be with us. Um, Well, I want to go back and uh, just got to check to do something I wasn't planning on doing. Let's go go to Malachi chapter 3. I'm not uh, fixing anything that was just said, I just had a... I checked a while ago about something and I want to make a point to it. Because the scripture does say what the scripture says. But, I, but uh, it's the context of what was said here. Malachi 3 for a number of years and still today is still used a lot when we receive the tithe and offerings into the church. And it's okay, nothing wrong with that as long as we understand the context of it. And um, so to put a little context in it, let's go to Malachi chapter 3, and let's start with verse 3. And he says, And I shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of of old, as in the former days. So we see that there was an offering that was made, but it was an offering that was given in righteousness. Hmm. And then verse 5, he says, And I will come near to you to judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, And against the adulterers and false swearers, and against those that oppress the hireling of the wages, the widow and the fatherless, that they turn aside the stranger from his from his right, and fear not me, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Old Testament and New Testament, that's still solid. God' is still the same God, didn't He? Amen. He says, "Therefore, since you son of Jacob, I am not consumed because I don't change." Verse seven, "Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them." So who is he talking to? See, Bible interpretation is, what's being said? Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the Jews? Is he talking to the Gentiles? Is he talking to the nations? Is he talking to the church? So we have to understand the subject and who he is speaking to. So he tells these people, not people in your covenant, he tells them, if you will return to me, I will return to you. You know, the scripture says in our covenant, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But you said, Wherein shall we return? And so God asked a question. Usually, when you ask God a question, He'll answer you with a question. He said, Will a man rob God? He says, You have robbed me, but you say, Where have we robbed you? He said, You've robbed me in tithes and offerings, and you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, that would still be scriptural, right? I mean, you ought to bring the tithe into where you're fed, right? Some says, well, I, just, I divide mine up, you know, 15 different ways, to send it different places. Well, I don't know. He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. It's good to send someone an offering. If Joyce Myers ministers to you, it's good to send an offering. <clears throat> but, ne- but neither to marry someone in your family on Friday night or do a funeral for you, she's not coming. She's not going to visit you in the hospital. She's not going to bring food. You know why? It's not her call. Hmm. It's right to give, right? There's many types of offerings. So bring the tithe into a storehouse represents a place that I go, that I am fed, where I minister to, Right? So he said, bring the tithe to that place and to the storehouse for what reason? That there might be a meat or supply in my house. In other words, God wants the house or the church taken care of. And prove me, though other word is prove me. Now, which says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing that there may not be room enough to receive it. So we heard from the testimony a few moments ago of how a tither kept increasing and increasing and increasing because he acknowledged God's blessing in his life, and he continued to tithe and give to God what belonged to God, right? And he says, "And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and you shall not destroy the fruits of your gro- and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither cast her fruit before the time of the field," says the Lord of Hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed. Why? Because it's obviously something they can see. For you are a delightsome land," says the Lord of Hosts. Now, uh, side note, verse 11, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Someone sometimes still be taught, bring your tithes to the, the storehouse. The enemy tries to get a hold of your, your goods. The enemy tries to work in your life, and the Lord will rebuke him. Actually, in the New Testament, he doesn't say the Lord will rebuke the devourer. In the New Testament, he says, You are to rebuke the devourer. Hmm? The Bible says, Submit yourself to the word of God. You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The Bible says the devil's under your feet. He's given you the name of Jesus, that the name of Jesus, everything shall bow, right? Well, people in this covenant didn't, didn't have that benefit. So he said, I, you, you tithe, you bring it to me in righteousness. And he says, and I'll open the windows of, of, of heaven and pour out a blessing. And if the enemy of the devourer tries to devour your seed, I'll rebuke you myself. Well, Jesus rebuked the disciples for not standing up in the boat and rebuking the storm when he taught them all day about the parable of the sower, how to do it. Can you see that? That was just a glimpse into the covenant that we're in. Hmm? So it's, it's, it's not for God to rebuke the devourer, it's for us to rebuke the devourer. Now, uh, uh, the, the only point, and what, what I got to check with a while ago, and... Uh, and I've said this many times, a lot of people said, we say this is the only place that God says prove me. Uh, That is a half truth. In other words, it does say that here. You may not find that statement written just that way anywhere else in the Bible where it says bring the tithe into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house and prove me. Uh, Do you you know of any other place (laughs) in God's word where he could be proven? Is God trustworthy anywhere else? Well, then you can prove him. The word prove means test. Could you prove him in healing? Hmm? Why? Because God's not a man that he, sh- he should what? Not that he should lie. So if he can't lie, you can test him. and You can prove him. Hmm? Well, it it's impossible for God to lie. Well, if it's impossible for God to lie about anything God said, then we can test Him and prove Him in any area. Hmm? Not just money. See, money is the lowest form of power on on the planet. Now, it's all necessary. It's all needed. We all need it. It's not the most important thing on the earth, but it is up there with oxygen. Hmm? Because you have to have it to sustain life. But money is the, the lowest form of power. The highest form of power is the anointing. It's the anointing that removes the bird destroys the yoke. It's the name of Jesus. It's the love of God. So these people had a heart issue, not just they weren't getting their tithe right. See, when the tithe disappears and the money goes away, now, I, you know, before I've been in ministry 25 years, but before I was in ministry, I, I owned businesses and then I ran businesses. So I've been in retail business and management for many years. And then I own a business. So I understand from business standpoints that you can have better months, not so good a months, better years, not so good years, and all such as that. But when you consistently are down, it's usually a heart issue. Hmm? Well, the Bible says where, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will show up. <clears throat> and when you're Treasure doesn't show up. It's usually reflecting something that's going on in the heart. Are you with me? So, you know, a a person who's happy and a person who's thankful is a person who loves to give. Are you all here? God loves a, a cheerful giver whose heart is in his giving whose heart is in his giving. So it wasn't necessarily the amount that the Lord was looking at, but his heart. That's why the widow woman with the the mites, he says she gave more than all of them, but she probably gave the least of all of them in a monetary sense. But out of what she had, she gave all of it. She threw all of herself, all of her money, all of her heart, all of her hope, all of her faith. She threw it in there violently just to get it out of her hand so she wouldn't have to think about it again. Because if she thought about it, She could think about the the, the desperation that she was in and might rethink it. Hmm. So she put all of her in this. So these people have a heart issue. How do I know these people have a heart issue? Well, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? It speaks, right? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Now watch here. Verse 13, how do we know this? He says, Your words have been stout against me. Your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. So, re- words reveal the condition of the heart. So, they have more than a money issue, they have a heart issue because the, the mouth is revealing the heart issue. And then he goes on to give us a little insight into what is stout. Yet you say, "Well, what have we spoken against you?" He said, "You are saying it's vain to serve God, and what profit it has it done us to keep His ordinances, that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of Hosts. And now we call the proud happy; yea, they that work wickedness are set up; yea, that they tempt God are even delivered." So uh, he said, "Here your words." that which you speak, he said, is revealing the condition of the heart. So if your words can be stout against God, your words can be stout for God. Are Are you hearing me? If you can speak against God, you can speak for God. If you can go to court and speak against someone, you can go to court and speak on their behalf. So, Anywhere that you go to, the, to the, the, the new covenant and find out what Jesus did for you in a finished work, you can prove him there, says the Lord. Hmm. Not just in tithes and offerings. This, I, 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 I'm not taking anything away from this because this, this is scripture, but you had to put it in context of why God even said it and to who He was saying it to. You, you can't say this is the only place that God says we can test him in. Well, <clears throat> you know, if the if doctor tells you you got six months to live and you want to live longer, you're, you're hoping you can put something else to test and prove something else out, right? Amen. And why would you do that? You'd go back to the book. you go back to the Bible. You, you'd go back to find out what Jesus did for you as uh, as his the sacrifice for your life. Amen. Now, um, amen. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 100. You know this really well. Psalms 100 verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, He is God, and it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and we are the sheep of His pasture. Amen. Enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving, and into His courts with stout words. Hmm. Do you see a whole, whole different attitude here from Malachi 3 to Psalms 100? Now, here's people who's making a joyful noise unto the Lord. They're serving the Lord with gladness. They're coming before his presence with singing. They never see an offering and say, oh, no, I can't do that. No, not these people. No, see, they know the Lord and they know he's good. They know it's God that it had made them. They said, we're not of ourself. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into the courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. There's no stout words there, are there? For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures all generations. Anybody here plan on going to heaven? You plan on being there for eternity? You plan on being in the presence of God every day for eternity? Why don't you go and practice it today? Hmm? Why do we put off what's available to us now? What will be apparent when we get to heaven? Is the presence of God available right now? Then why do we put it off when we leave this body? Well, here's one reason why. is because you have no conflict there. And you have conflict here. Did you know that? Did you know there's people in the Old Testament who's going to, want to, who's going to want to talk to you? Because the Lord fought their battles. Not like you fought your battles. Hmm? Now, I I, I could prove that over and over and over again, but I, 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 I slightly proved it in the sense of Malachi 3. Bring your tithe and the Lord will protect you. It's almost like play... Pay your insurance, and if your house catches on fire, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it or pay it off. Hmm? Right? So they didn't have the authority over the devil. Matter of fact, they didn't know who was doing it. God, the devil, whoever was doing it to them. So they would just serve the Lord according to their, uh, of what they knew of him. But G- Jesus said himself in John 17, he says, No one knows the Father except for me, and no one knows me except for the Father but I came to reveal him and his character. Matter of fact, no one had ever in the old covenant had ever called God Father. Jesus brought out the fatherhood of God because no one knew They knew him as Elohim. They knew he was mighty. He knew he was powerful. He, they thought he might even take your head off if he's having a bad day. Well, they didn't know. Job didn't know. Job was sure that God was mad at him. Job was sure that it was God that was doing all these things to him. He said, even though he slayed me, I'm still going to follow him. Well, God wasn't slaying him. But God said, even Job in all this era, he has not sinned. Why? Because he didn't know the truth. But Jesus said, but you're going to know the truth. And if you'll embrace the truth, that truth will set you free. So if you're you're going to live in in, in heaven forever and in the presence of God, you know, what you're going to breathe in every day in heaven is glorified air. The, the, the oxygen that you'll breathe in if it's called oxygen is glory. It'll be the best inhale you've ever known. Hallelujah. So you can enjoy that now. At, at, least to a, at least to a great degree. We can get on the first fruits of that right now. You know what keeps you out of it? Well, let me finish this thought. So no one knew in the Old Testament what it was like to deal with the devil. But they're going to ask you, what was it like to live on earth all those years where the devil was loosed and demons were loosed? And and you had to confront them and deal with them according to the authority that you had in the name of Jesus from a God that you couldn't see, from angels that you couldn't see. And God wasn't rebuking them for you like he was for us. They're going to say, how'd y'all do it? Huh? Have you ever thought 2 Corinthians 10 is not, not in the Old Testament? Where did God ever tell anyone in the Old Testament, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against the prince of Paradise, the power of the of the darkness? He didn't tell nobody that because they weren't wrestling with him. You are. Huh? These folks back here had it easy. Except we have a better covenant established on better promises. Now, I don't mean there wasn't a devil he wasn't doing things. But, I mean, really, you know, if, if they would just walk in the statues of God, God would take care of it. But now, it's, you know, I, I know the church don't like this because we want to go to a place where it's real popular, where it's real popular is just preach the sovereignty of God. I, I'm at the Bible Belt. Do you know that you're in the Bible Belt? Every, every minister, especially every pastor in every city, in every state, ought to know what controlling spirit controls that state. And I've known for years what spirit tries to control the state of Alabama. I've known that for many years. It's not true of every state, but the main spirit that tries to control the state of Alabama, and you can ask uh, many leading prophets who take the same thing, the, the number one demonic spirit, now there's, there's, there's rank and order to spirits. you understand that? Ephesians tells us there's principalities and powers. These principalities and powers, they're low-class demons. They're aggravators. They're like the that won't get out of your face. They just keep like ah, 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 or the mosquito, and you kind of go like that right there. This, the, 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 they're the naggers; they just nag, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. But then there's higher, there's higher level devils. So when you go from principalities to powers to rulers, now you're going to deal with a different class. See, Satan had a kingdom, and he was apparently over one-third of the angels in heaven. I don't know how I'm getting off on this, but I am. We know Satan's real name in heaven was Lucifer. Worship leader, right? Apparently, he had, he, he had, he had a built-in PA system. He had all the pipes and the organs in here, and what a glorious sound that he would make. He was God's worship leader. You could say that. Amen. Well, he apparently was given charge over one-third of the angels. Cut the story away short because you know it. He rebelled against God and said, "I'm going to be not just like him, but God, but I'm going to exalt my throne above his throne." Can you say stupid? Yeah, elevator didn't get to the top. So he and the third of the angels was invited out of heaven. Revelations tells us there was a war in heaven between Satan, Lucifer, and the third of these angels, and they were kicked out at a moment's time. Now, where are these demons? And where is Lucifer? People say, "Well, he's in hell." They are not in hell. Hell is a confining place and once you're in hell, you don't get out of hell. So Satan is not in hell. And the demons are not in hell. They are roaming spirits. Can you say roaming spirits? So so they're not in heaven and they're not in hell. Now, I wish I'd known I was going to minister this because I probably would have had some scriptures to go with it. But we do know we do know Paul said, uh, I guess it was in the book of Corinthians, he said, I knew a man in the Spirit. Whether in the Spirit or not in the Spirit, couldn't tell. Whether in the body or not in the body, I don't really know. most theologians believe that Paul was talking about himself. But don't know, does it really matter whether Paul was talking about himself or, or, or a fellow Christian. But he said, whether they were in the Spirit or out of the Spirit, don't know, whether this person was in the body or out of the body, don't know. He said, but they ascended into, uh, the Scripture says, into the third heaven. Third heaven. Well, there they heard unspeakable things that no person had ever heard. In other words, they got in on a conversation. They heard and saw things that no person had ever heard or seen. And then uh, there's, a book, there's a place in Ephesians that talks about the same thing. It talks about the third heavens. Now, I'm not so much a theologian as I am a, a, a logician. I, I go on some logic. And if you don't like that, then you say, well, you know, logic gets you in trouble. Well, it won't always get you in trouble because how many ever been on an elevator? Well, <clears throat> if you... Uh, in visiting people through the years, going to different hospitals, say if you go up to Shelby and you walk in the front door, you got three choices, right? One, two, and there's actually a third floor. But how many know that there's not just a third floor? There's the first and there's a second floor, right? So... A logician or a person of logic would know if there is a third heaven, then there must be a second and a first. Right. I mean, there's not kindergarten than third grade. You didn't go from you didn't go from kindergarten to calculus. There are some steps along the way. So we know God lives in what we call the third heaven. Amen. This is where he exists. Ephesians called it paradise. That's where the Father is. That's where Jesus is. That's where your loved ones are. That's where many of the angels are. They're, they are in paradise. They are in the third heaven. It, it'd be really good know. I was going to preach this. I would have some notes to it. I don't know why the Lord does this to me. I have no idea why he does this to me. I guess he just He just likes having fun with me. I don't know why. But here's the deal. The first, the first heaven would be the first heaven would be here. That which you are experiencing now, that which you see the first heaven would be the earth, the firmament, the stars, the moon, that which you can visibly see would be the first heaven. The the second heaven would be the atmosphere above heaven. Or I'm sorry, uh, above the earth realm. So we got, we got the first realm. We got the first heavens. Matter of fact, I think it's in Genesis one. It talks about, uh, it talks about the firmament of, of the heavens. It, it called the earth, and this the firmament here, the first heaven. That's in the book of Genesis. So we know this is the first heaven. So we think of heaven. We say the word heaven. We think that's where God lives. That's true, but He called more than one place heavens. He called this a heaven. Hmm? He called we could have days of heaven on earth. In other words, we could have experienced heaven on earth, Deuteronomy said. Amen. Jesus taught his disciples to pray and said, pray it this way, that the will of God that's being done on heaven will be the same way it can be on the earth. In other words, establish the same order we have in heaven, but established on the earth. Now, where did they ever tell them that in the Old Testament? Nowhere, because they couldn't. They didn't have the authority to do it. So when you preach just sovereignty, which always gets me in trouble, someone always wants to write me about that. You know, anytime you're in the Bible, Bill, where the spirit of religion is, is the spirit that rules in the South, you're going to have a lot of adversity to that. You're saying, so you're saying God's not sovereign. No, I, I did say that. See, you, you're, you're not listening. God is sovereign. How many believe God is sovereign? Amen. He's absolutely sovereign. But God is not running everything. Hmm? Amen. Luke, 4, Luke 14, you said, go and compel them to come into my house, that my house may be filled. Well, this morning, they're not all obeying that. At least half of them didn't obey that today. Well, y'all got quiet. Amen. Hmm? Sovereignty says it is the will of God that all men must, must, will be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Is God getting his will there? Oh, so God's not even getting all what he wants done. He said, tell them all to bring the tithe to the storehouse. Are they all doing that? Well, you may not know, but I know I do. I have paperwork. They don't. Hallelujah. So God's not getting the sovereignty. God's not not being performed there. So is God getting everything that he desires and wants? No. Or is there anyone in hell today? Yes. God didn't get his will there. So his sovereignty is not control. See, the Lord is not demanding. So a demonic spirit drives. God doesn't drive.
1: Hmm. Demons are controlling spirits. The devil
0: demands. The Lord will convict us, not condemn us. The Lord gives you a will to choose, not the enemy. Are you with me? So we have the first heaven here on earth. We have the third heaven where God is. And then we have the second heaven. And that is where demons and Satan rule and reign. Whereas over in 1 Peter, it says the enemy roams about throughout the what? Oh, the earth. Oh, well, can he be roaming the earth if he's in hell. Seeking someone he may devour. So... The enemies of God and your enemy is in the atmosphere in the second heaven above the earth that you can visibly see into the second heaven. Amen. So he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now, some people don't want to think so well, because so much has been taught about spiritual warfare. No one, you know, people don't want to talk about it, but there is spiritual warfare. Now, you may not be in a war today, but someone else in here might be. Everything might be going hunky-dory for you. That's wonderful, but if, if you keep on living long enough, you'll, you'll run into one. You will. Just live on, brother. Just live on. Amen. Amen. You know, when I got to, in my 40s, my, my parents became brilliant. In my 20s, I questioned them a whole lot. I said, Ah, well, they just, you know. In my teens, I'm dumber than a tree root. Amen. Well, so I, could, I couldn't see the wisdom until I got it old enough to see the wisdom. You know, uh, so here we are in this, in this place on, on the earth, in the earth, where we've been given the authority and dominion and the power in the name of Jesus to rule and reign in this life, to rule and reign in this life. Jesus said, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In my name you shall do this. Now, who who are we who are we using this name against? Well, the different classification of demons. We talked about there's different classifications, just like the military, there's rank and there's order. You know, from the buck private all the way up to the general. So there's rank and order. Now, Satan's kingdom is well organized. You may think it's not, but it is. But I don't think he gets any credit for it. I think it was well organized in heaven because God had already given a third of the angels and anything God does, he does in order. So he just took the same order that he got kicked out with and continued to do it. Um. I really wish I'd known I was going this way, but if, if you go study about the evil king of Persia, you'll find out that there was a demon spirit over Persia. And he would operate through an evil king. So whatever Lucifer or Satan wanted done in Persia, he would operate through a man. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against people, but against principalities and powers. Your fight's not with people. Your fight's with evil spirits. So it wasn't the king of Persia. He was evil, but really Satan was, was enforcing, dominating his will because he had a willing partner to do it with. But it wasn't Satan himself doing it. He had a ruler, a ruler, spiritual wickedness in the heavenly, see, in the what? Heavenly places. Do you know the Bible? That's what it says. Spiritual wickedness is where? in the heavenly places, not in hell. So this spiritual ruler, powers, rulers, would would dominate through the king of Persia to enforce uh, a satanic rule against the people in that nation and cause wars. So when we pray, sometimes you wonder why... why uh, I mean, I don't know if you ever have... Sometimes when I pray, I wonder why, why I prayed and it happened just like this. Then there's other times you prayed and you're still waiting. you ever, you ever wondered that? People say, well, if I just had more faith. No, not really. Jesus said, if you had, if you had faith as much as you said, you would say, amen. Amen. Well, it's, the, the answers really aren't that complicated. But you got to go back to the Word. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my will... Anything according to my will, my word, anything that you ask in my name, according to my will, he said it shall be done for you. Where What happens to us is we, 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 get, we get looking at our, our watch and our time and thinking nothing's happened. And because we don't feel like nothing's happened, then we feel either like it wasn't God's will if we've been taught that way or that it didn't hear us or that we don't qualify because we haven't been a good enough person that we've made too many mistakes and God's mad and he's all this kind of stuff and you don't qualify. On and on and on and on and on. Religion. Religion is what it is. <clears throat> but we know, from, we know from the book of Daniel that Daniel prayed for 21 days because he knew from the word of God that his people was being held captive and God had already told them he was going to be held captive for a certain number of years. By the Gentiles. And Daniel prayed for 21 days, and out of that, you know, we hear about today called the Daniel Fast, where Daniel ate uh, <clears throat> simple and bland fruits and vegetables, uh, n- uh, no, no meat, but just fruits and vegetables and water. He, he, he didn't abstain from food or from water, but he just has simple fruit, simple. You know, vegetables and that sort of thing. We know that he prayed 21 days, and when he prayed 21 days, the angel showed up. And the angel said, Daniel, from the moment that you prayed and you put your heart to understand the will of God, I was standing next to God, and he says, Go answer his prayer. Now, where's God? He's in the Heavens, he's in paradise, he's in the what? Third heavens. He said, I've come to you with an answer to your prayer. But he said, I had a fight on the way here. In other words, if it was an elevator, I got stuck on the second floor.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: he said, I had to have some help. So Gabriel came and helped me. Now, Gabriel would be a lot of help to anybody. Hmm? Gabriel is the angel today that watches over Israel. Amen. God's, God's kind of interested in Israel. Just a little bit. So he said, I had to go employ the help of, of Gabriel to penetrate. He says, and there was war for me to get here. To bring you a message, and so he answered the prayer for for Daniel about the captivity of his people, and he says, and it'll be such and so, and such and so, and such and so, and then when he left, he says, and now it's time for me to go, and he said, "I'm, I'm ascending back to paradise to God, and I'll have to fight my way back through the heavens. What is He saying? You're in the first heaven. God's in the third heaven. But roaming between the first and the second is all the demons, is all the rulers, is all the spiritual wickedness and heavenly places, they're in the second heaven. And I'll have to fight my way through there. Now, what's interesting is uh, Daniel prayed another prayer just a a chapter or two over. And Daniel prayed and, and an angel came that time and he came just the angel came while he was praying and answered him. Which is the prayers I like. Now I don't know about you, I'm just, you I'm, I just, you know, I, just, I like it easy, don't you? I mean, if it's hard, it's going to be hard, but if we can get it easy, I like to have something easy every now and just every now and then give me something easy, right? Just like, I mean, I, in school, you know, since I wasn't an A student, I could have been, but that was like I had to study, so uh, multiple choice, I got a 50-50 chance. <laughs> Fill in the blank, we're in lots of trouble. But anyway, here's the deal. Daniel was praying a second time, and the angel showed up while he was praying. We we, we did this years ago because uh, I think one's in Daniel 10 and the other one might be in Daniel 11 or Daniel 13. But you'll you'll see two prayers and both time angelic activity got involved. And, and so we have the one that we just discussed where it's 21 days before he got an answer. But, but now hear this. He said, from, but from the, uh, just to reiterate, he said, but for the moment you prayed, God heard you and I was on my way. Mm-hmm. In other words, God didn't put you off. God wasn't trying to decide whether He's going to answer your prayer. God wasn't sizing you up to see if he was worthy for an answer or helping you. He says, for the moment that you prayed, I heard and I was sent, dispatched from heaven to bring you an answer, but I ran into resistance and had to have help to get here. But here's your answer. And then I, now i got to fight my way back. Another time, so this other time, he prays, and while he's praying, and we did this years ago, uh, and uh, if we had time, we'd do it, but you can go... Uh, Research it in the book of Daniel. And Daniel prays again and the angel shows up with an answer again, but he shows up while he's praying. Daniel doesn't even finish his prayer and the angel comes with an answer. I mean, the angel shows up, appears, while he's praying. And Daniel wanted to fall down and worship him. he says, don't worship me. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm not God. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just a servant of God to bring that answer to you. So, why, so why, why does it take one time 21 days to get an answer and the next time he comes while you're praying? Could be, this is just speculation, this is the, <clears throat> there is a translation called the West, W U E S T, a little translation. Uh, this is going to be called the West translation, <laughs> so you can't put a whole lot of weight into it. Um, the kingdom of darkness is, 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 great, is greatly organized, but it's limited. God's angels far outweighs, just in numbers, Satan's. Satan is not omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is. Amen. If Satan is in Russia, believe me, he's not in Jemison. Now that doesn't mean he doesn't have help here or reinforcements here. It just means he's not here. So don't don't, don't overbill yourself and say well the, the devil's just telling me all the time. No, I, mean, I, was, I, I wouldn't give him that kind of glory. Smith Woodworth always said it this way. He said he don't come within a hundred miles of me. He said because it's just been too dangerous for him. Hmm. See that's why that, that's where the spirit of that, but the, you know there's one thing. Well, I'm getting into all kinds of things. That's one reason why uh, I believe Satan hates the the uh, ministry of deliverance because Satan would like you to think he don't exist. He really would like to think that you do, that he does not exist. That's right. He would like to hide in the shadows, and you're just in his, you're you're in his kingdom, and see people who's in his kingdom they don't even know they're in his kingdom. They're just in darkness. He said, "He uh, remember saying Corinthians chapter four said he has blinded the what, the minds, not the heart, the minds, yes, yes. so they can't believe. So well, all, all he's after is your mind, because if he has your mind, he has all of you. If he has your mind, he's got you. He's got you locked down one hundred percent sure he is. So, but he does not want you to think he exists." So when you when you go out into the world of deliverance and you start delivering people of, of demons, it forces the kingdom of darkness out into the open. And he doesn't want to be forced into the open. But he wants you to think I'm not even here. That's just a no-fairy tale. That's just the old underwood ham with a pitchfork and a red guy and a tail and, and all this kind of stuff. There's not really this. So When when you go into the place of dealing with deliverance and delivering people of casting out demons and uh, spirits, then there's going to be confrontation of two kingdoms, light and darkness. And if you know who you are and you know you have authority over him, you, you're going to expel that d- demonic spirit and it's going to come out of the person and everybody's going to see it and everybody's going to know there is a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light and darkness has been overpowered by light. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's why the, 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 the demons hide. They don't want to manifest themselves hardly ever in a church. Now, they, they do... Just by being through people, by, by doing things, they're just aggravating. Amen. There's, there's lots of demons in every church. The devil goes to church every week. <laughs> now, this is going to make me real popular here. I'm on Facebook Live. He operates in many deacon boards. Uh-oh. There was never God's plan to devise a deacon board to run the man or the woman that God called to pastor the church. They are to help and they are to assist. You're saying you don't believe in uh, Almost the demons, uh, excuse me, deacons, sometimes are one (laughs) the same. But anyway, and there are some really good people. There really is. But they are not called to run the church. I have some friends, I, I don't have many because I'm not in those circles, but I have some who tell me that they have to meet with their board once a quarter to go over their sermons to know if they're allowed to preach it. Wow. But there's no way I would fit into that kind of system. I would for about three seconds. Amen. I'd be voted out so fast. In such a hurry. I'd be looking for a U-Haul in a hurry. Amen. Amen. I, I remember the first building I bought, uh, our former building. Well, when you're, when you're brand new and you want to borrow a quarter of a million dollars and you're brand new, the bank's not really interested in you. Now, they want to sell the property, but they don't want to risk. But who had it was already at risk. But they'd rather have someone more secure. And they said, well, we, we need two years financials. And I said, "Well, I got a problem with that. I'm nine months old." And they said, "So you want to borrow a quarter million dollars and you're nine months old?" Well, now we're gonna have two years of history. I said, "Well, that, that, I mean, I don't know how to do that." You know, uh, Holy the Holy Spirit will show us things to come as far as I can go, man. <laughs> I can't give you two years of financials when I'm when I'm nine months old. So when We purchased that building and we purchased it because the Lord told me to buy it. I didn't want to buy it. I didn't want to buy that particular building. And uh, he said, this is where I want you to go. And I didn't want the building. And and, and this is what he told me. He said, well, then go do what you want to do. And I said, boy, I'm fixed to buy me no funeral home, I guess. Hallelujah. When he told me that. Because I really didn't want that building because it had been a funeral home. And uh, so it was was a, a quarter of a million dollars and so when I went to go borrow the money, he says, well, you know, if you don't have the two years history, we're going to need uh, $100,000 down. I said, I don't have 100000 He says, how much do you have? I said, nothing. He said, no, I mean, you got something. I said, no, I have nothing. I got whatever's le- uh, left from last week's offering. Man, I'm brand new. I'm trying to buy the first everything. First chair, first speaker, first microphone, podium, everything. You know, children's curriculum. I, I don't have anything. And he says, well, we, we can't do that. He says, well, then the only way that we would even, even entertain this idea is if you would get about 20 couples in your church to sign a $10,000 promissory note. If something goes wrong, they'll stand for $10,000 of, of the bad debt in case we can't sell the property. And then we have to come to them to get, you know, to get our money. I said, I can't do that. I said, why? They said, every, every, every church operates that way. I said, I don't. God didn't tell me to do that. He said he told me to go build a church on his name. He told me to teach people, uh, his people, faith and who, who we are in him and to flow with the Holy Ghost. And never told me to go get 20 people and sign a $10,000 promissory note. He said, well, that's the way it works. I said, do not work that way with me. I said, now I'll sign it. I'll sign the whole quarter of a million dollars that if you don't get paid, then you, he says, well, your assets aren't worth that much. I said, but, but I'll make over a quarter of a million dollars in my lifetime, so you can go my wages the rest of, rest of your life. He said, you you be willing to do that? I said, yeah, because I'm not scared, man. I said, the Lord told me to buy a building I don't even want to buy. I mean, I don't even want to be here. But I'm going to buy this building because he told me to. Amen. You know, when the Lord says we're coming out of Egypt, guess what? They were coming out of Egypt. Amen. Right? Amen. Yeah, so um, so eventually uh, we did that, and I, I signed a, a quarter of a million dollar note that I had to stand good against in case something happened. So now do you think I'm gonna go put an advisory board over me and a, and a deacon board who's gonna decide whether or not what's gonna happen every month and every week with you? Scott, would you you're a businessman? If you signed up for a quarter million dollars debt and, 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 and you owe this, something goes wrong, are you going to put a board over you It's going to make all the decisions for your life? And if, if they're bad decisions, you owe a quarter million dollars? Well, I, I'm, I'm not as smart as you, but I'm almost that smart. Amen. Amen. So the, the, the demonic realm, see, Satan's number one thing is to rule the earth. He doesn't want all of it, he wants a part of it. Or he doesn't want a part of it, he wants, he, he wants the whole thing. Yeah. God never drives, God guides. The devil drives, but God guides. Yeah. God says, Come this way. And the devil lures you this way. But he does not want you to know that he exists. So he deals with you in the realm, in his realm, which is the the carnal realm. How many ever went to a Mexican restaurant and had chili con carne? Hmm? What you know what chili con carne is? It's it's just simply what? Meat. So the carnal mind means meat or meathead. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, we're acting in the... Real carnal, we're like a meathead. Right? So the Bible says walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible didn't say don't walk in the flesh and you'll have the spirit. It's the opposite way. Walk in the spirit and you'll you'll never have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The devil wants you to think you'll never be able to walk in the spirit Because you're you're addicted to this and you got this problem, you got that problem, you got this problem, you got that problem. Therefore God's never gonna give you his spirit, you're never gonna have freedom in the spirit because you are not willing, you do not walk in the spirit, you walk in the flesh. But God says, No, you just walk in the freedom of the spirit. You're 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 not Romans said, you're not a uh you're not a bond or a slave to fear anymore, but now you're a son and you're an heir through Christ Jesus. Now walk in the empowering of the Spirit, and when you do, you'll find yourself free from the flesh. Yeah. Amen. In other words, what pulled on you will lose its pull. Amen. What dominated you will no longer dominate you. What once had you will no longer have you. Amen. What once was, what made you afraid, you'll no longer be afraid of. Amen. Because there is no fear in love. Amen. Why would you fear a God who perfectly loves you? Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, I was going through uh, one of these medical tests last year. They, the doctor said, well, if it was this, you know, you could die from that. And I said, well, praise God. He says, <laughs> I, I didn't even mean to say it. He said, well, you know, if this is this, then, then that could be deadly and you could die from that." And I said, well, praise the Lord. He says, no, you, no this is serious. I says, well, praise the Lord. I mean, you, man, you, you, you're not really threatening me with paradise. Amen. Paradise? Jemison? Really? <laughs> I, mean, I don't care. Oh, you say, well, I live in Mount Brook. Oh, well, you, it, it, that didn't really get me over either. Hallelujah. Well, I, I live in Maui. I love Maui. I've been to Maui once, so I'm willing to go take that mission trip again if y'all want to send me. Hallelujah. But, but really, Maui, paradise, hallelujah, spirit body, Woo, glorified body. No aches, no pains, no age, no no sorrow no disappointment, no discouragement, forever and ever. No demons, no devils, and you're going to threaten me with that? Amen. You know, if the doctor you know just told you you're going to die, you ought to just kiss him on the forehead, and say thank God, and I just thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. I believe in healing. If I don't, it's just it's just amazing. Amen. Amen. I mean, just quoting brother uh, Copel again. You know, his or you know, Roberts. They they told old Roberts one time he says. You know, what happens if you, if you pray for the people and they, they, they die? They don't get healed. He said, well, people do die. And I have prayed for people that die. They said, well, what happens? He says, man, on the other side of death, is stunning. Amen. Hallelujah. So Amen. Paul did the same thing. Paul said, by this time tomorrow, we're going to kill you. And Paul said, you know, I haven't decided yet. You had not decided. You, you're in prison. You're in stocks and you're in chains. And they're saying, tomorrow we're going to kill you. And he says, well, I'm, I'm really in a straight between two, whether I should stay here or go. I said, "Well, killing you tomorrow. He says, yeah, well, I ain't decided that yet. <laughs> he says, I want to go. I wish y'all would do that. Could we do, I'd like to do it today. We could do it. But the Lord has needed me here, so. Hmm? The Lord can spring if you any time. You know, Peter was in jail, right? They killed James. they were going to kill Peter. And the church started praying. And the angels just came and put the the watchman to sleep. And they took his chains and bonds off and took him out of the prison door, took him on the outside. And uh, the people who was praying for him, he showed up at the house, knocked on the door, and they couldn't even believe they were seeing him. Here they're praying for him to be delivered, and they don't believe it when he is. They said, it must be his ghost. They said, no, I'm I'm like an answer to your prayer that you really wouldn't believe him. (laughs) Here I am. Hallelujah. So let's get back to this. So there's two realms here. There's three realms here. The realm of heaven, the realm of where, where, where God lives. And even there's a place, there's some scriptures, and, I, and we'll have to get to heaven to see this. I don't, unless there's other revelation, I just don't know about it, which is very likely. It says God even sits above the heavens. So there's a place even above the third heaven where, where God inhabits. But for purpose of study, there is a place. There is a place that we know as heaven. There, that's where God resides. Where Jesus sits on the right hand side of the God. That's where, if you have uh, uh, parents or grandparents or loved ones, that, that's where they are now enjoying heaven, enjoying paradise. But you're in this first heaven. If you can see the earth and the stars and the moon. And your feet planted on dirt, you are in the first heaven. But if you could see into the second heaven, you would see an enormous amount of demonic activity, but you would also see an enormous amount of angelic activity, and you would see war against war. So sometimes, this is in old Pentecostal terms, they said we had to pray through. Well, pray through what? To the second heaven. Get through the second heaven. Just like when Michael said, I I came, but I had a... a," He says, I left that fast when you prayed. He said, but for 21 days, I've been fighting these demons. And I went back and got help, and here I am. Here's your answer, and now I'm going to fight my way right back. Amen. Amen. Now, can I spring this on you? No? Okay. We're, we're, We're closed for the day. Hallelujah. Now you do what you want to with this. But we're not called to fight all our spiritual warfare on earth. Ephesians 2 said that we are seated where? In heavenly places in Christ. We know that we of course, are here on the earth in our physical form. But we know that we were a citizen of heaven before we came to earth. So your true citizenship is not America or wherever you was born. As a born-again child of God, your citizenship right now is in heaven. You're positionally, right now, as a born-again child of God, you are positionally seated Ephesians 2, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when you pray, or when you're interceding, you don't have to always pray and intercede from the first heaven. I opened up a can here. I don't have time to finish it. We know that Job came before God to accuse Job. And God said to Satan, he said, what are you doing here? And Job was the subject matter. And Job said, he said, if you would drop this hedge around him and let me get to him, he's the guy that you think he is. You got him so blessed and so well protected. That's why he loves you. That's why, he, that, that, that's why he's serving you. But if I can touch him, if I have access to him, you'll find out This Job ain't that big, he ain't that big a deal. But Job did open a door for Satan to come in. He, uh, Job was not a test case because God was bored and needed something to do, so he just threw Job at him. Job got in major fear over his children. So he was making sacrifices. He was afraid something was going to happen to them. So he opened up all these doors for Satan to come in because we know that when things begin to happen, Job said, the thing that I have feared the most, what opens the door of the enemy? Fear. The thing that I have feared the most has now come upon me. But in all this, Job didn't sin because he thought God was the one doing it. He said, I don't understand this, but even though he slayed me, which God wouldn't slay him, he said, I'm still going to trust him. I mean, God's not holding you accountable for what you don't know. Right? But Job's heart was perfect before the Lord. Now, th- this whole thing with Job theologians tells us was somewhere between nine to eighteen months. And at the end of it, Job was blessed twice as much. Amen. He had twice as much. He was twice as wealthy. Had had more children. Got blessed in every way immeasurably. That, that 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 you could even imagine. Was was rich beyond imagination. In every way. But this whole thing lasted nine to, 18, nine to eighteen months. But Satan comes before God and says, If you can let me, if you let me touch him, but I can't get to him because you have a hedge around him." You. you see. The enemy would like to get to you, but you're protected by the blood of Jesus. Are you with me? You're 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 under his. You're you're kind of in God's witness protection program. The Bible says that we are hid in Christ. If you'll start, if you're smart, you'll stay there. By staying hid in him. To get to you, and if you're in him, he has to go through him to get to you. He doesn't want to go through him. He, he, he tangled Jesus already. Jesus made a triumph over him. Prayed to him through three worlds. Amen. So, st- so stay in Christ. Stay hid in Christ. Now, here, here's the deal. So he came at Job. He couldn't get to Job. He tried Job. And so he's gonna, always going to try He's going to try you. When we're praying, and I feel like I'm almost going to do an injustice because I'm about out of time. Pray from your heavenly position where you're seated in heavenly places. Well, you, you, you have to see this part of it because I don't want you to think I'm making up. Go, go to Ephesians 1 real, real quickly. Ephesians chapter 1. Are you all okay? Is, is this all right? See, I'm, just not, I'm not called to, to be the pastor that just, that, that's just the emotional pastor that, you know, just to build you up and say, the Lord sees your pain and, and we're all going to give you a hug before you leave and hallelujah. Well, God does know about that and we do want to give you a hug and we do care. But I, I, I want you to leave here with something that'll work, teach you who you are in Christ so that you're not dependent upon a preacher or nobody else. It was, it was never the will of God that you, that, that, that you need someone, that you need a preacher, someone to get you through. I mean, you, you, you uh, here I go again. You just, you're, you're not going to find scriptures in here to talk about prayer chains. Now, if, if, if you want to look up chains in the Bible, you're going to find them, but they're going to be over in the Old Testament when they were slaves, and in the New Testament, Satan's going to be put in prison with a chain. So if you want to use chains for prayer, you can. (laughs) Right? Israel was in chains in Egypt. Satan, for a thousand years, was bound with a chain. Paul was chained as a prisoner. So do you really want to bring prayer and chains together? Okay. Hallelujah. Now, there's nothing wrong with... I think what they're saying is let's link our prayers together. Right. But I'm kind of like Brother Hagin. He says, I never was big on them change. I said, and, and we asked him, well, why not? And he says, well, I just, there's just some things I never asked no one to agree with me about. Well, I said, like what? He says, I never asked no one to agree with me about my finances or my health. And I said, well, why not? He said, I never found anyone who was interested in my finances as I was. <laughs> and then he asked this question. He said, who? now there was hundreds of students in the room. He says, uh, did anyone call you last month to make sure your light bill was paid? There were three, 400 people in the room. No one raised their hands. He says, make my point. They wouldn't think about your light bill. They were thinking about theirs. Huh? Well, Jesus said, let your let your, let your request be made known unto him. Amen. And besides, the, the more people that I have praying, that doesn't mean I have more power. One of 80% of them is praying in unbelief. 70% of them uh, might believe that you deserve it. And the other twenty percent just glad it's you not them
1: Ephesians chapter one
0: all right so Paul prayed verse uh, 17, uh ephesians one seventeen he, this is paul praying uh a prayer to the church at ephesus it's a holy spirit inspired prayer she belongs to the church today just as it's just as up to date for us as it was to him verse seventeen Matter of fact, let's just go to the Amplified. It makes it even clearer. Ephesians 1, 17. For I pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, glory, that He may grant you a spirit of wisdom, revelation, of insight into what? Mysteries and secrets into deep and intimate knowledge of Him. uh, Now, how are you going to do that? Verse 18. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with what? Light so that you can what? Oh, He wants you to know something? And No, and what? Oh, he wants you to know and understand. The mysteries of God no one can understand. Well, right here he he prayed that you would know. Right? See, See how religion wants to keep you stupid? Hmm? Paul prayed that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your spirit or your heart would be flooded with light, which, which is illumination, which is understanding, so that you can know and understand the hope to which He has called you. You want to know why you're called? Well, God wants you to know more than you want to know. And then he, and look at this. And He wants you to know how rich is His glorious inheritance and the saints, His set-apart ones. In other words, what He's saying is, you are his inheritance. He wants you to know who you are. He wants you to know that you are the called. He wants you to know what the call is, and he wants you to know that you, his child of God that he received back through Jesus Christ, made him rich. You are his glorious inheritance. Can you see your value to him? I don't think y'all got that yet. How rich is the glorious inheritance in the saints, which is his set-apart ones. Man, that makes me excited. I, 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 I'm going to find somebody one day who just loves the Bible and just, 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 just think, oh, I'm just glory to God. God said that we are his inheritance. He says, man, having y'all makes me feel rich. Hallelujah! I could have a revival right now all by myself. Hallelujah. I think I'll have one. Verse nineteen, so that you could know and understand. Oh, here, oh my gosh! Can can y'all even take this? If we keep this up, we're going to have to take a second offering. I just can tell it right now. <laughs> Look at verse nineteen, so that you could know and understand what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe. So what? Else? So what, what does He want us to know? What does He want you to know? While you're on earth. While you're on earth. He wants you to know and understand that which is immeasurable, that which is unlimited, and that which is surpassing. He wants you to know the greatness of His His power in you and for you. In you and for you. Know it and understand it. It's one thing to know it, it's another thing to understand it. Israel knew because what God did because they saw it. But Moses got on the, on behind the curtain and he saw how God did it. I've watched Bill fix the car, but I don't know how he did it. Amen. I have picked up a car from Nathan's patent body three or four times and I saw the finished product and I said man that looks good now how he got it from what I turned it into to how he got there I don't know the whole process I, I told the chiropractor uh, a few months ago and I was sitting there and, and I said uh, you know by now I should know the routine and he says it don't matter buddy as long as I don't know as long as I ain't forgot it <laughs> I said I can't remember if I'm supposed to go like this and my arm goes this way he says it don't matter if you know as long as I know I said, okay, we'll just pull, snatch, do whatever you got to do. Hallelujah. Now, so know and understand what's the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of power in and for us who believe. Do we have any believers here? I said, do, you, do we have any believers here? That He wants you, the believer, to know and to understand the unlimited, immeasurable, surpassing riches and greatness of the glory. As demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand. Where? Oh, in the heavenly places. There's the third heaven. God demonstrated His strength and power, raising Jesus not just from the grave, but raised Him from hell, resurrected Him, then ascended Him, into heaven, in the heavenly places. So where is Jesus? In heaven, at the right hand of God, in the heavenly places, right? Verse 21. So from where Jesus is seated, get a picture of this, from where Jesus is seated, he's far above all rule, all power and authority, and dominion and every name that's named. He's talking about classifications of demons. Can you see that? We, we, we can go to 2 Corinthians 10 and prove it. But right here, where Jesus is seated, he's far above, he's not above, he's far above all rule, all authority, all power. He's, the, he's above all dominion. Amen. He's above every name that is named, upon every title that can be conferred, not only in this age, but in the world also, in the age which is to come. And He has put all things under His feet and appointed Him the universal and supreme head of the church. Parentheses, ex, uh, amplified, if you can stand it. Now, y'all try not to run around. This is a headship that is exercised throughout his church. When I'm just a little weak worm in the dust, my righteousness is just filthy rags. No, you're ignorant. You read the Old Testament and come into the New Testament and find out that you're not an unworthy, unrighteous being. Huh? Huh? that you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, that you've been made righteous with the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. You're the righteous ones. You're the set-apart ones. You're the one who's ruling and reigning with Christ. You have a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you're above every classification of every demon because He's far above them. Huh? Now, we'll we'll prove this in six verses and, and we'll be through. Chapter 2, verse 1. You say, well, that was talking about Jesus. Yeah, it was and about us. Now I'm going to prove it was about you too. Chapter 2, verse 1, it's amplified. And you. Now this is a letter, right? There was not no chapter 1, chapter 2. You don't, start off, uh, you don't start off a letter with, and you. You might say, hey you. And whenever I wrote a letter, someone says, And you. You know, if you if you roll a you might say, "Hey, y'all." If you up north, you might say, "What's up, you guys?" But you don't start a letter off with "and you." Hmm. I took English. Well, it almost took me, but anyways. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> Hallelujah. And you, he made what? Well, if you, uh, if he made you alive, you must have been. Oh, you're dead. Who said that? You did? So thank God. Hallelujah. Somebody's listening. Hallelujah. And you, he made alive when you were dead. You were slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and the fashion of this world under the sway of the tendency of the present age. You were following the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Satan and his demons. You were obedient to it. You were under the control of the demon spirit that still works constantly in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelievers who, who go against the purposes of God. That's who I used to be. That's who you used to be. Whose control were you under? Satan's. But now you've been made alive. Now you're not under his dominion. Now you're not under His authority. You are no longer in His kingdom. There's nothing dark about you. You are called light. You are called the children of light. We're about to get to the good part. Verse 3. Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh. Your behavior was governed by the corrupt and your sensual nature. You obeyed the impulses of the flesh in the thoughts of your mind. What's Satan after? The mind. Your cravings di- dictated by your senses and your dark imaginations. We were, not are. We were. By the nature, children of God's wrath and heirs, you is an heir then of, ign- of ignition like the rest of mankind. Now here it comes. Hallelujah. Got the seatbelt on? Hmm? Buckle up. Might get a little bit wild in here. Hallelujah. Delta tells you, buckle up because we might run into some turbulence before we get into a comfortable altitude. Hallelujah. Amen. So here we go. So you were a, an heir in a wrath of indignation. That don't sound very good, does it? But God. But God. God. May I'm a rapper and I don't even know it, or stutter, I don't know, hallelujah, hallelujah. But God, so rich in his what? God calls mercy rich. So I said, the Lord, I had someone tell me years ago when I was 12 years old in church and their teacher was mad at me. She said, Lord's going to give you two more times. And I said, well, that's better than my mama. My mom said once. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know y'all are tired of hearing my stories but my mama didn't count. One, two, three, four, five. If my mama counted past one, mm, you better run. Hallelujah. And he, oh, what, what, what verse were uh, Which one? Because of, in order, uh, he was rich in mercy because of, it in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and the intense love for which he loved us. Now, why was God so rich in mercy? It's right there. He, in order to what? Satisfy whose need? Whose need? What kind of need did he have? You mean God has a need? What's his need? He wanted to satisfy his great and wonderful and intense love with how much he loves you. Mm, Golly. That gets me (laughs) to witness. Hallelujah. (laughs) God's trying to satisfy. He said, under all life, we were trying to satisfy the deeds of the flesh, the intense desire we have. But God had needs too. His was to satisfy the intense love with where he loved you. But we weren't to where we could in a position to receive it, so he was just got rich in mercy toward us. Amen. He said they don't deserve it; they all deserve hell. But I'm, he said, but I'm rich in mercy. Ooh, I'm rich in love. Amen. I'm rich in mercy and love. Amen. This is good preaching, Amen. especially if I even know I was going to preach this today. Hallelujah. Verse five: Even when you were dead. Slain by your what? shortcomings and trespasses, he made you alive together in fellowship. So, what did you do to be alive? Nothing. Nothing. Huh? He's telling us we were dead because we were would come way short, and we had trespassed against us. But he made us alive together, put us in fellowship, put us in fellowship, put us in union. With Christ. Man, I've been unionized. People say, Y'all believe in unions? I'll do in that one. Mm. I'm in union. Huh? I'm abiding. I'm in union with Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. You got any money problems? I said I don't know. Jesus? Hmm? Is, that, is that preaching or am I, am, I, am, I, am I okay with that? Y'all got any money issues? What is Jesus? You got any health problems you can't come? Well, I know. Does Jesus? Amen. You lose your joy?
1: Well, did Jesus lose
0: his? Hmm. So I'm in union because I'm... Well, I don't have a ring all day. I lost much weight. I won't stay on <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I almost lost it in the bathtub the other day. I get some soap and it was like, Well, I barely caught it before it went down the thing. Hallelujah. Maybe I should just gain a bunch of weight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But here's the deal. He said, He has raised us up together. Verse 6. And made us sit down. Now, why is Jesus sitting down? He's sitting down because He's finished. It's the finished work. Well, now, oh my goodness. Giving us joint seating with him. Now, who's doing the sitting? We are. We're seated with him. Notice, notice he's now sitting. We're standing. I think I'm gonna make a new scripture in the Bible. Haven't done all sit. Can I? No, I can't do it. Okay. He said I can't make up. Oh. Having us sit together with him, sit, sit down, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere. By In the heavenly what? So, so where are you? Right now, positionally speaking, where are you? You're in the heavenly sphere. Why are we doing all of our battles in the first heaven? Why don't we just go ahead and hold court in the third heaven? Why don't we pile past the second heaven and just say, Father, I'm going to come up there and talk to you about this for a little while from, from a position of being far above all principality, power, might, and dominion instead of trying to go through all this fighting 21 days and eating plain vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> and fruit. How about I bring both of us a pizza? How do you like yours? You want you want it, uh, you want anchovies or you I mean I mean you made all of it so you must like it. So I mean how you want your pizza? You want me to bring you some chocolate cake or, or what you want? Hallelujah. Oh taste to see the Lord's good. Huh? Uh, you see this? Do you know that you can pray from your heavenly position instead of fighting all your battles on earth and trying to get to the second realm? Even Billy Graham said this one day before he died. And Billy Graham wasn't a person that you knew to be a miracle worker, was he? I mean, he believed in miracles and healings. That wasn't his call. He was bad to the bone. What a tremendous, tremendous minister of the gospel. No tell how many millions of people in heaven because of Billy Graham. Billy Graham knew some things about this, but he said, what was his wife's name? Ruth, right? He says, I don't know much about this. I can't prove it. He said, but Ruth and I have been on planes more than probably anyone I know on planet Earth. He said, but I've noticed every time we get over 30,000 feet in, in the air, he says, we pray, it's like there's never any resistance. He said, why that is, I'm not sure. But I think we have bypassed the realm where demonic spirits rule and reign he said there is an atmosphere so many thousands feet above this realm which he understood these three realms where he said you find very little resistance hmm that is interesting Mm -hmm. but see you can go there in prayer say father Concerning so and so, I've come to you in prayer. Your word says this. I want to talk to you this because I have joint seating with you, Father. Oh, I'm so thankful to have joint seating with you. I'm so glad to be seated with you in heavenly places today. Now, concerning so and so, the word says such and such and so, and you're the God of this word. I don't just have to prove you in tithes and offering. Your word's already been proven, it's already true, so I ain't got to give you a test on anything. And then you deal with this situation in heaven and quit doing it on earth all the time. Hmm? Why would you want to... Buy the, I, I, I grew up in the Pentecostals and assemblies, and, and I always heard the, the term... Some of y'all may have too. I heard the term, but we're, we're going to storm or bombard the gates of heaven. You ever heard that? You're going to attack heaven? <laughs> I mean, I'm... <laughs> I mean, I was just a kid. I didn't know. I just heard they said we're just gonna. I, I think they're we're gonna pray a whole lot. We're gonna shake the gates of heaven and get God's attention up there. I don't know. What, well, why would you want to bombard and try to scale the gates when you're sitting in the throne room? Yeah. yeah. Oh, why would you want to leave the throne room to go on the outside <laughs> like a terrorist, <laughs> <laughs> like the SWAT team, or like a uh, Navy SEAL, you know, being repelled down when I'm sitting with God. Watching the movie. You see, you see what religion's done to us? It's a wonder we've got anything done. It is. It's a wonder we've done anything. Huh? We well, have. Yeah, we sunk ourselves into all kind of unbelief and cried and filled up tears and snot everywhere. Looking for a city. You know, just a little talk with Jesus. Make things right. How's the song go? Have a little talk with you. Let us tell him all about our problems. He will hear us. He will hear us by and by. He'll hear us by and by. Have a little talk with you. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our painless cry. He will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer is turning, then you'll know a fire is burning. If you can feel it, then then you can know something. If you can feel something, then, then 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 we know. Forget knowing the truth. Jesus, if you should know the truth, the truth will set you free. You know, I I'm in the Bible Belt doing this, but I can get by with it because I got thousands of people. <laughs> Hallelujah! Well, look around. You don't think I'm trusting the Lord? <laughs> what do you think? Hallelujah! Do the math Hallelujah. Raise us up. <laughs> so, so here it says, uh, I'm going to stop right here, I promise you. I am. Verse uh, chapter 2, verse 6. And hath raised us up together, made us sit together, and had places in Christ Jesus. Now, we've done this before, but in Ephesians chapter 1, take verse 6 of chapter 2, and take verse 20 of chapter 1. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him, Christ, at his own right hand in the heavenly places. You see that? You see it? Ephesians one twenty, Christ was raised from the dead and then he set him at his own right hand. Where? In the heavenly places. Ephesians 2.6. But he also raised you up together and made you sit together in heavenly places. Looking for a city. Huh? We are seated with Him in heavenly places. So you can fight all your prayer and intercession on earth if you want to. Or you can go up to the heavenly realm where you already are where you're already seated in position. When you you do that, don't forget verse 21 of chapter 1, because in that position, you're far above all these classifications and rulers of demons. Daniel wasn't when he prayed. You are. Believe me, Daniel, if he'd have known that, he would have done it. Because he, he, he made a deal telling you what I had in eight for 21 days. Which means he would have had something different. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with praying and fasting. It's still scriptural but, I'm, but what I'm saying is why don't we come up to our why don't we come up to the higher place? Why don't we come up to a higher realm? A higher position in him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, it's ours to have. It's ours to know. It's ours to experience. Hallelujah. I call you blessed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed day.